0: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. California plans to almost double vaccine allocations to vulnerable populations, with state officials vowing to send 40 percent of doses to communities hit hardest by the coronavirus pandemic. KQED's health correspondent April Demboski has more
2: on how the state plans to do this. Acknowledging a vaccine rollout plagued with inequities, Governor Gavin Newsom laid out some simple stats low-income households earning $40,000 a year have seen double the rate of infections as higher-income households. At the same time, insult to injury, households earning over $120,000 have twice the access to vaccines. That is what we have to reconcile. We have to own up. To that. Newsom stood under a basketball net in a gym-turned-vaccination site in Stockton to explain how the state is now redirecting twice as many vaccines to zip codes like these. Zip codes where limited access to health care, transportation, and safe housing leads to higher disease burdens. African-American community, yes, but disproportionately even more so on the Latino community in California. To get the vaccines to the right people, the governor said the state will invest in mobile units to deliver doses directly to homebound seniors or farm workers in the field. And in the future, the state says counties will not be allowed to reopen more businesses until their hardest hit communities are getting vaccinated. You can't safely reopen your economy until we get this disease behind us. Newsom said the state also wants to do better at preventing more affluent people from taking vaccine appointments intended for disadvantaged groups. For the California Report, I'm April Domboski.
0: Governor Gavin Newsom this morning plans to sign a bill that aims to speed up the process of reopening schools. Under the proposal, California school districts could soon get billions of dollars if they restart classes in person. KQED Politics reporter Guy Marzorati has more. The bill sets aside vaccine doses for school workers and offers districts $6.6 billion to open classrooms. San Francisco Democratic Senator Scott Weiner says that should be enough to get the youngest Californians back in class.
1: It is now up to the school districts to take the steps that they need to deploy these resources, to deploy the vaccines and to get the schools reopened quickly.
0: But because the bill does not require schools to open, Santa Clarita Senator Scott Wilk, the Republican leader, doubts it will move the needle.
2: I believe with or without this bill, school districts that want to reopen will, and school districts that don't want to reopen won't.
0: Still, Wilk and most other Republicans voted for the bill, and no Democrats opposed it. For The California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati. Officials at San Francisco Unified are exploring the possibility of holding classes outdoors once schools reopen for instruction. Board of Education Commissioner Gabriela Lopez says they are planning for outdoor in-person learning as an option to complement instruction indoors. That may include the use of schoolyards and parks in San Francisco. The idea was proposed by parents at a school board meeting earlier this week. Commissioner Lopez says San Francisco Unified will also be offering extended learning opportunities like summer school and internships for middle and high school students. Well, it looks like kids will be able to play organized sports again. Attorneys representing student athletes say the state has agreed to relax restrictions as part of a settlement that would allow kids to play both outside and inside. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman says there will be strict safety protocols that include regular COVID testing
2: is a good day. Torrey Pines High School head football coach Ron Gladnick got emotional over news of a settlement which attorneys say will allow youth sports indoors and outside to resume play statewide. We worked every day to try to get to this place in time. Gladnick along with the grassroots let them play coalition made up of parents, kids, and coaches have been negotiating with the governor's office for weeks. Nick Gardenera is a football player at Scripps Ranch High School and is one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit against the state.
1: It really just shows that these coaches care a lot more about us than just the winning and winning football games. They, these coaches all really care about us as kids, and it, it really it just it means everything to the all the players throughout the state.
2: The new rules are minimum standards, which means county public health departments can still choose to impose rules that are more strict. For The California Report, I'm Matt Hoffman in San Diego. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more... Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
3: Hi there. I'm Randa Adifatda from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today.
2: You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
0: Ever since the COVID-19 pandemic swung into full force, word on the streets been that people are bailing on the Golden State. But there hasn't been much actual data to back that theory up. Researchers at the California Policy Lab are out with a new report that has some answers. Natalie Holmes is a Ph.D. student with UC Berkeley's Goldman School of Public Policy, and she joins us now. Good morning. Good morning, Lily. We have been talking anecdotally for the last year about this exodus from California. You're doing the research and looking at whether that's really happening, is it? So, what we see so far is that it looks like people are not leaving the state
4: in numbers greater than what we've seen in recent years. Um, on the other hand, it does look like there are fewer people that have come into the state during the COVID period.
0: And what are your thoughts on why things have remained fairly status quo, even during the pandemic? So, a little bit of this is conjecture. I can't entirely get into the why, though we'd, we'd like to get into some of
4: that in the future. Part of what I think is happening is that, you know, once COVID hit, people kind of pressed pause and wanted to see how things were going to shake out before, you know, making decisions about where to go. So, you know, we've seen um, overall exits maintain about what they've been in the past. Entrances are down. And I think maybe that's because, you know, cross-state moves are kind of a bigger deal. And so people have been, you know, waiting to make those big
0: decisions. So one of the things you found was that there are some pockets where people are leaving within California. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so San
4: Francisco really jumps out. Um, If you're able to take a glance at the series of maps we've got in the report, you know, we can see exits, moves of all kinds are pretty stagnant during the second quarter of 2020. And then progressing through the year, we do see this, you know, spike in departures from San Francisco. Where San Franciscans are going just the distribution of those who are leaving the state or staying in the Bay Area or going elsewhere in California, that's remained pretty stable. But the overall number leaving has has grown. Among people leaving San Francisco, uh, just about 80 percent remain in the state and actually
0: about two thirds stay in the Bay Area. When it comes to San Francisco, you know, my first thought, I think probably for a lot of people, their first thought is housing prices. Is that your general sense of why San Francisco stands out?
4: I think that's plausible. And that's certainly one of the things that we plan to look at in the near term combination of, you know, housing costs. If you if you have an opportunity to move or you have to move, you might as well. Um, and then, you know, people who, you know, maybe, I, you know, I'm sure we all have you know, friends or family. We hear stories about people who are trying to do remote work in school and apartments. Um, it makes sense that you might look for more space. But You know, we we can't nail down the why, but certainly just, you know, hearing stories from people that we know, for those of us who live in the area,
0: the reasons are many. Absolutely. Thanks for this really interesting research. We'd love to have you back as you continue to look at the numbers and figure out why folks are making the decisions that they're making. Natalie Holmes, thank you. Thanks so much, Lily. Let's go to the state capitol now, where a state lawmaker wants to make it easier for people who have been convicted of a crime and completed their sentence to erase that conviction from their record. KQED's Marisa Lagos explains.
3: An estimated 8 million Californians have criminal or arrest records that prevent them from doing fundamental things, like getting a job or securing housing. Los Angeles State Senator Maria Elena Durazo says, Men and women have completed the sentence they were given. Many of them took classes, enrolled in counseling while they were incarcerated. After their release, instead of being able to put their new skills to use, they are hit with hundreds, if not thousands, of restrictions and limitations that keep them from building a new life. Durazzo's legislation calls for all arrest records that don't result in a conviction to be sealed, as well as those of people convicted of most felonies who have finished their prison or jail time and their parole or probation, and stayed out of trouble for two years. Sex offenders would not be eligible. I say when an individual has taken responsibility for their actions, completed a sentence, California should provide them the tools, turn the page And give them the new opportunities. Los Angeles resident Stephanie Jeffcoat says she spent 10 years in and out of jail for crimes related to her drug addiction. But after getting sober, she saw job offers rescinded because of that record.
1: You know, when is our time ever going to be done? I have paid. I've served my time.
3: Jeffcoat says allowing people to move on from their past convictions will make everyone safer by giving both hope and opportunity. For The California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. We're going to go to the central coast now,
0: to the city of Pacific Grove near Monterey, which has long been known as Butterfly Town, USA. But conservationists whose job is to protect monarch butterflies suffered a double blow last year when both state and federal governments refused to grant them protections as an endangered species. Here's Erica Mahoney from our
5: partner station, KAZU. Eucalyptus, Monterey pines, and cypress trees tower over a dirt path that meanders through Pacific Grove's Monarch Butterfly Sanctuary. Not long ago, monarchs would have covered almost every branch. Today, the orange and black symbol of Pacific Grove is nowhere in sight. Connie Masadi has been counting Western monarchs for almost 10 years.
1: I've actually.
3: I sat in the parking lot the first couple of times and actually cried in my car because I, I've seen it coming, but I did not think I would not be able to find one monarch.
5: Back in the late 90s, at least 45,000 monarchs showed up to this sanctuary. It's a place where monarchs come to spend the winter, but this year, it's empty. Statewide, less than 2,000 monarchs were recorded overwintering along California's coast this year, a 99.9% drop since the 1980s. The decline of monarchs has been gradual but accelerated in the last few years.
3: I think that was a wake-up call to a lot of people and agencies that we had taken the monarch for granted that it would always be here because they were so prolific.
5: One of the biggest threats to the population is the development of overwintering sites for housing or golf courses. Habitat loss from climate change, including wildfire, is another big factor. Despite these threats, a California court recently ruled butterflies do not fall under the California Endangered Species Act. Soon after, U.S. Fish and Wildlife said monarchs deserve federal protection, but declined to list them as endangered at this time. So for now, it's up to people, nonprofits, and communities to help. Caleb Schneider manages Pacific Grove Sanctuary.
4: We thought otters were extinct for quite some time, and then they found a little group of them in the Big Sur. So there's always hope. It's amazing what nature's able to accomplish. We just have to provide nature the
2: space to do it.
5: Last year, he and volunteers planted 70 new trees in the sanctuary. Conservationists like him say Californians who live on the coast should also plant native nectar-rich plants like manzanita or black sage to help. For the California Report, I'm Erica Mahoney in Pacific Grove.
0: And that is the California Report for this Friday, March 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Holly J. McDeed, and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org/voices. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2022 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca,
3: host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
0: I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.